If you want to open to John chapter 20, we're going to be looking there. Jerry Kramer, despite playing for the Green Bay Packers, was a very articulate man. And he had authored two uh, books about his experiences. In his most recent book, he reflected on his uh, own sense of mortality. He said, I think a lot about death these days, which is kind of funny because I've never been healthier. I've never had a serious illness in the past 10 years. I've never broken a bone, not even a finger, since I stopped playing football. And yet, more than ever, I think about my own mortality. He said, a year ago, I lost my father to cancer, and I don't think I'll ever get over that. In some ways, it was more difficult for our family than it was for him. Dad was a religious man. He was ready to go. He had his faith. He said he was locked in the arms of the Lord. And sometimes... I just wish I had that kind of faith. But all I have is questions. It's interesting, don't you think? His father's death was harder on the family than it was on his father himself. But it's because his father had his faith. He had locked in the arms of the Lord. Blessed are the believers. It's true. And so often, when we look at this passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning about uh, Thomas and his doubts, and we say, yeah, I can, I can identify with that. I can identify with Thomas. I can understand the doubts and where he's coming from. I've, I've had those. I've been there. And yet we miss the important part. We miss the, the punchline. We miss the words of the Master. If you have that special Bible, we have the words in, in red. Uh, Look with me at our scripture. Look at the story. John 20. We're going to start with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus told him, you've seen me, and so you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are the believers. And we're not talking about those smugly self-righteous believers who are spouting off answers to questions that nobody's really even asking. We're talking about the people who have come to grips with their doubts in an honest way and have made a commitment 
that they are going to trust into the care and the providence of a loving God. They're blessed. They're generally happier. They're filled with joy. They're generally more effective in how they relate to others in this world. Blessed are the believers. And of course, we all have our doubts, right? Has anyone here never had doubts? Anyone? Just me then? No, I'm just kidding. We, we've all had our doubts. I mean, Woody Allen is right. Faith would be a lot easier if God would just show himself by depositing a million dollars into a Swiss bank account in my name. Wouldn't that be easier if he just showed himself? I read a story about a man named Charlie. And Charlie had fallen in love with this beautiful girl named Ava. And she was in love with him as well. But up to that point, he could not get her to commit to marriage. Well, one day he invited her to lunch and they drove to the L.A. Coliseum, one of the largest sporting events on the West Coast. And in the center of this vast football field, there was one table and two chairs. A maitre deed showed them to their table. A captain seated them. A waiter stood behind them and took their order. Apart from this small table, the Coliseum was empty. Something like 100,000 empty chairs staring down at them. Well, the table was elegant. Caviar and champagne were served. And as they were waiting for dessert, uh, Charlie raised his glass. And in a, in a preemptive sign to a gentleman, a thing flashed across this giant electronic scoreboard that said, Ava, will you marry me? And she said, yes. See, why doesn't God do something like that for us? Wouldn't it be so much easier to have a giant electronic scoreboard say, I am God, I love you, believe me. Or if we had a comet that would flash through the dark night sky and in the tail of the comet it said, I love you, Jesus. Now, of course, if that happened, immediately a group of cynics would get together and try to explain it's just atmospheric conditions. But wouldn't that be great? I mean, why, God, why doesn't God do that? We can sympathize with the British philosopher uh, Bertrand Russell. He was asked, once asked what he would say if upon his death he was confronted by God. And he said, I'll tell him, why didn't you make the evidence of your existence so sufficient? It's, it's part of us to say like Thomas, unless I see it, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I touch his side, I won't believe. Only then, when I see it, will I believe. We, we want that certainty. But yet that is one gift that God has not given us. And he has his reasons. He is God. We are not. We, we can't begin to fathom his mind. But if his aim is to produce spiritually mature people that will follow him, that will spend eternity with him, it makes sense he wouldn't give us everything we want. Doesn't it? That would just keep us immature spiritually. I mean, if your child knows that you are always going to be there to solve every little problem, to, to help with every little crisis, to comfort every sorrow, the child's never going to grow spirit, never going to grow into maturity. And so maybe in a sense, that bit of insecurity, that bit of doubt, that bit of questions and wonder uh, is God's way of helping us spiritually mature and grow in our relationship with him. Pope John Paul once had a, a, a time he met a Russian soldier back in 1945. The war had just ended, 
And the soldier knocked on the door where John Paul was serving at seminary. And he said, I want to come in and join the seminary. And he said, after a long talk with the soldier, he eventually did leave and not join. But he said, through that meeting, something became very clear. It became clear how wonderful God succeeds in penetrating the hearts and the minds of everyone. He said in the entire adult life of that soldier, all he had continually heard people tell him is, there is no God. And yet in spite of all that, he said, I still knew God existed and I want to learn more about him. The soldier was set in his own mind and his own heart that God did in fact exist and he wanted to learn more. It's amazing. Blessed are the believers. There's a British biologist, George Romains, who wrote a book that was designed to further the cause of atheism. He said, though, I took it for granted that the Christian faith was played out. But when he saw how Christianity worked, that many prominent people, especially those in the field of science, were believing, he said, I decided to take the Bible at face value and let it speak for itself. And in his book, he wrote that through that, from a merely human point of view, I now understand why everyone should be a Christian and should follow God. He said, unbelief is usually due to indolence, often to prejudice, and that's not something we should be proud of. See, for most of the world's people, that's enough. And now I'm not saying that faith should just be blindly accepted. You should just say, oh, well, Tim said it. I agree with it. Let's move on forward. No, we should study. We should, we should, we should learn. God did not give us minds so that we could remain gullible. We need to examine the new ideas that we are exposed to, whether it's politicians, whether it's the news, whether it's the Internet, whether it's your preacher telling you. We need to examine. We need to understand for ourselves. But we'll never make that progress in anywhere in life until we come to that moment when we take a stand. When we come to that moment, when we resolve in our own minds, this is what I believe and this is who I am committed to. Are we at that point? Are we, are we following Christ? Blessed are the believers. And in turn, the believers are a blessing. I mean, look, look around this world. Where has there been a statue built that had been built to a cynic or to a skeptic or to a doubter? Someone once wrote, you know, he who pulls the oars has no time to rock the boat. Blessed are the believers. Believers are those that know that this world can still be a better place. I mean, consider our society. Who are the builders in our society? Who have constructed the hospitals and the universities and the social service programs? Behind every one, you will find a person that holds on to hope and to faith and to love in a, in a just God. Now, would I offend anyone if I said that most cynics are idiots? Well, let me give you a little background. The, the original Greek word, idios, I don't do this a lot, so just follow me. Idios means one's own private affairs. And the Greek cons considered anyone who turned their back on the public good. Anyone who ignored the health and security of the whole society in order that they could look after themselves, an idiot. So now you know. And believers are not idiots. Because we as believers in Jesus Christ know that 
when we make this world a better place for others, we're in a sense making it a better place for ourselves as well. In the language of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your nouns and verbs line up to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You just have to have a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. When evil men plot, good men plan. When evil men bomb and burn, good men build. When evil men shout words of hatred, good men must commit themselves to serving Jesus Christ. So where are you this morning? Are you on the side of the doubters or are you on the side of the believers? Anyone can be a doubting Thomas. It doesn't take strength of character to say, unless I put my hands in the nail marks and touch the side, then I'll believe. It doesn't take strength of character to say, unless God puts a 500-foot billboard in front of my house that says, yes, I am God, follow me, then I'll believe. No. But it takes strength of character to say, I don't have all the answers, but I know who's making this world a better place to live. It's the followers of that carpenter from Galilee. And I want to stand with them. I may not have all of the answers, but until someone proves otherwise, I will stand with the believers who believe in a just, loving God. I may not have all the answers, but I believe in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and in his resurrection. And I believe it has changed our world forever. Put me down as a believer. So where do you stand? Listen again to the words of Jesus. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So as we come to our invitation time this morning, my question is, are you still doubting? Or are you ready to believe? Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? This morning, if you have a decision to make, I just, I invite you to come as we sing.